This podcast is brought to you by Smoke Signals. You can follow Music by Number on iTunes, SoundCloud, Facebook, and Twitter. Find more entertainment like Music by Number and Movies by Number from the Smoke Signals Podcast Network, including social networking links, post bios, events, contact and donation information, and more. All at musicbynumber.com and smokesignals.com. That's musicbynumber.com and smksignals.com. Thank you and enjoy the show. Welcome to the Review and Retrospective Podcast, dedicated to listening to and reviewing some of the greatest albums of all time. Called from Rolling Stone Magazine's Top 500 Albums of All Time list. Compiled based on votes from selected rock musicians, critics, and industry figures. And chosen at random via Google's random number generator. To be reviewed, loved or hated by your hosts, Kevin, Ben, Rusty, and Zach. Join us this week as we review number 430 on Rolling Stone Magazine's list. Vampire Weekend's 2008 self-titled album, Vampire Weekend. And now, here's your host. Hey everybody, welcome to Music by Number. I'm Kevin. I'm Trey. And I'm Zach. And we listened to Vampire Weekend's Vampire Weekend, the first album. I thought you forgot for a minute. <laughs> Why do you always think I forget stuff? And we listened to... I like to put the pause in there you know, for dramatic say, emphasis. They say it's always a self-titled album when they use the same thing. I just think they're being lazy. We've done a lot of self-titled albums. We've right. done, uh, what is this? I think this will be the sixth episode. Black Sabbath's Black Sabbath. Yeah. Elton John's Greatest Hits, which is Elton John. <laughs> uh, greatest Hits uh, not Elton album. John is an album in itself. With it, that I think we oh, still shit, have to do it. True, yeah. I think it's on the list. So also. he even has a debut album called yep, El Drunk, Correct. So, you know, which isn't his debut album. It's like his third, but it's uh, the one that put him on the map. So New York Dolls, New York Dolls, New York Dolls, New York Dolls. Guns and Roses, uh, Appetite is the first one that really doesn't it, it, have it. Right, but they don't have a self-titled. See, if I if I put on an album, nobody would listen to it if I self-titled it because who's going to listen to an album called Trey Skinner? That's why you got to call it Trey Boogie. Yeah, I'm Trey Boogie. Do that. <laughs> there you go. Unless, unless I was some like ghetto ass rapper that's trying to act like he was a rapper. See what you do is you just bring disco back and you no. call yourself Trey Boogie. nobody needs to do, do a co- do a cover of uh, the New York Dolls guys song you know me something or I can just hot, do hot, I can just hot, cover hot, hot, hot. I, I can just cover Ice Ice song. Baby there, there, there you go there. 
Stop. But he might get Suge pissed. Knight's hey, coming. Hey, Don't do that. He, he can hear that you. Dude, that dude, uh, Vanilla Ice likes to bitch a lot about his shit. <laughs> and Suge like, Knight ain't forgot. He's Jim, coming. Jim Carrey covered that on, uh, I think it was an SNL skit or something. Dude, that, that is so funny. It's so much better than now, uh, why, uh, Vanilla Ice's version. How can you guys hate on Vanilla Ice when he did the greatest song ever? Go turtle, go turtle, go ninja, go ninja, go, go ninja, go ninja, go, go ninja, go ninja, yeah. go. That's great, yeah, man. That was on like crap. He ripped somebody off for that, though. He he like, probably uh, yeah, it was like a uh, he rips everybody off. He's a thief. He ripped Queen off. I mean, like that was I don't know who he Queen set the bar is. high. I know who David Bowie is, but who's Queen? David Bowie. Yeah, and Sam Hunt doesn't know who, who uh, David Bowie. Or not Sam Hunt. Who? What's his name? Sam Cook. No, nope, Sam nope, Smith. that's not right. Smith. Sam Smith. Right. Smith. Sam oh, yeah, and he was... doesn't. He doesn't fucking know who. Uh, Who's Tom, Tom Petty? Petty? I don't know who Tom Petty is. Who do you rip off? I mean, Tom how, how do you rip Tom Petty off? You know Sam Smith's most famous song? What? Uh, oh fuck! What's it called? What Tom Petty song did he rip off? Um, what's it called? I don't know. Let's look it up. Hold on. We're going to Google already. We've been on the show no. for five minutes. No, it's uh. Oh, what's it called? That spooky letter. Sam. Smith. It was the one he won a Grammy for. He won a Grammy for stealing a song. I got love Tom down here. Petty. Gonna play guitar in Florida. <laughs> Why are you being mean to Tom Petty? I like Tom Petty. <laughs> but I mean, seriously. He's got a weird voice. All right. The song is called Stay With Me for Sam That's Smith. It. And I, he he plagiarized I Won't Back Down. Oh, shit. Yeah. For real? Yeah. Yep. Yeah, Same exact this tune. World from me Same exact tune. Won't back down. Yep. And then Stay With Me is the same thing, but stay a little faster. Stay with me. And I want you all I need. This ain't love, it's clear to see. Also, also, time out. Why is a gay dude talking about a girl in a love song if he's gay? Because he, he ain't writing that shit. What, what do you think Wham and Culture Club and Elton John did for all them years? That's Elton fair. John didn't write his own lyrics. We already hey, man, that. Bernie Taupin's a legend. You exactly. leave him out your mouth. But those people aren't writing their own songs. But Elton John still sang it. If they did, they'd it's, be like... But like, I mean, let's be honest. It's not like people didn't know Elton John was Listen, there. you put the boom boom into my heart, all right? You set my soul sky high when the loving starts. Who sang that? You jitterbug into my brain. Who did that? It was... Bang, 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 and my feet do the same. Who the fuck sang that song? Something bugging me. <laughs> Something ain't right. Not, my best friend Zach, told me what Zach you Zach did last night. <laughs> okay. Wake me up before you go-go? Yeah. Don't leave me hanging on like a yo-yo? Is that is that Wham? Wham, bam, thank you, ma'am. Who is that? It's Wham. Who the fuck sang the song, Kevin? It's Wham. <laughs> it's Wham. Haven't you seen Deadpool? That's when they got that exclamation mark. I don't fucking love yeah, Exactly. I thank you, Trey. <laughs> Thank you. I logged a lot. I logged a lot of information at one point, and then since then, it's just been like early onsets kicking out, in, know? buddy. It's coming. Dementia's knocking on the door. Deadpool's so great, dude. Who is it? Oh, hi, Dementia. Come on in. What? <laughs> Who am I? Who are you? Who am I? What are you doing in my apartment? Why what? don't I have pants on? I don't live in an apartment. Where am I? Who? Who am I? Jackie Chan. <laughs> that was a good movie. Every time somebody says "Who am I?" No matter what context it's in, the first thing that pops in my uh, my head is the I don't know what song it is, but it's like, like "Who am I supposed to be?" Like that always pops in my head every time somebody says that. I don't know. I don't even know what song that's from. I just yeah, know it's I've from never a song. Heard of that. I Who know it's from a song. Supposed to, uh, Google that. Whenever somebody says, "You're gonna get a lot of like self reflection things on Who Google. am I?" <laughs> <laughs> It's like Google Answers. That's whoever you will feel like you need to be. Yeah, I, mean, <laughs> I, I think. Really that for who the fuck are you? By the who? Who 
out. And you? you mean what they never bleep out of radio stations? Because nobody. Well, they're doing that it. now. No, they're not. Yeah, they are. I listened to it the other day on ninety-eight five big. No, nope. that's. I, I swear to I've, Jesus. Nope. Listen to me. I was driving they and I heard it, it and I said it. it. They. It, it's not a bleep. It's just not in there. Nope, it's in there, dude. You missed it. Dude, I did, dude. Zach, I've always heard it on that channel. I just, it just, it just. That's the only radio man. station I listen to. It just happened, and it, it, the f word was not in there, and I was pissed off about it. And you know what else? They don't the play anymore. They all, they, they stopped playing the long version of uh, Money for Nothing by Dire Straits. They haven't played that on very. They, they've never played that on radio since like back then. Yeah, they have not since. Uh huh. And that when when uh when the movement started, they stopped playing it. Now, now it's just the short, shitty version. They they don't say "little faggot with the earring and the makeup" anymore. Yeah, they do. No, they don't. That's part of the song. It's they play the edited version. It's That's it's like three minutes shorter. Part. That's not the long part. That is the long version. That little faggot with the yeah. Earring that's and the makeup. in the short version of that song. It's not in there because it's usually a six minute song. That's like the very beginning of the song. That's in the middle, dude. No, it ain't. Yes, it is. That's like the premise of the song. No, it isn't. It was all right. Trust me. Okay. Trust me. All right. Hey, all right. look at me. All right. I love you. Okay. I love you. I believe you. Anyway, we listened to Vampire Weekend. That was a long tangent. I forgot. And I forgot we started talking about <laughs> 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 And the album, Vampire Weekend, was a very successful album for them. It was a great jump off point. To date, it has sold 498,000 copies. But it's got to have sold more than that because it's gold in America. And you have to sell 500000 for that. So somewhere or another, they sold another 200,000 albums. 2,000 albums? 2,000 albums. Um, and it's uh, certified platinum in the UK, but it's easier to do that over there. You have less albums. And they sound British. No wonder. Uh, it's only 300000 to go platinum in the UK. I don't think they sound British. Have you heard Ezra sing? Yeah. He's, he fakes a British accent the whole time. Hey, I'm, I've not noticed I'm that. better than Ezra. That's another band. I don't hear no British shit in that. Listen to it again later, and I guarantee <laughs> you I can point out to you, British, British, British. Okay. That's why he does so well over there. Um, well, They just like things a lot longer than we do here. That and, like, they have weird taste. I mean, they gave us the Beatles, and the Beatles are pretty weird. We talked about well, them last no, week. No, no, we gave ourselves the Beatles. True, but they had to come over here to get it. Okay, yeah. Mm-hmm. They did. For the record, we weren't we weren't like, hey, what's this band over here? Yeah. They, were, they were like, they were like no. let's go across the pond and make music. That's right. For the record, I'm going to amend the record for last week since you guys brought up the Beatles. Oh, last week <clears throat> I stated that Revolver was my favorite Beatles album and that I would put it number one if I had to. I'm going to correct that. Oh, it's the first correction. I argued with you that Rubber Soul wasn't as high up on my list as it should be. I've recently gone back and listened to Rubber Soul, and I do, in fact, like Rubber Soul better than Revolver. Rubber Soul should be number one. If it's going to be a Beatles album. If it's going to be a Beatles album. I could tell you something now that if this podcast ever gets real big, it'll just piss off the majority of the people that follow it. What's that? I don't care that much for the Beatles. Well, I didn't care that much for the Beatles either. That's that was the whole thing last week. I, I respect like, them. Oh, I, I respect I, them. I like to listen to them at now. periods of time, but like I'm not gonna avidly seek them out. I've I'm, never, I've never heard their song like a song by them come on and be like, "Oh, this is a really good song." It's like, I mean, sorry, 
I went through I went through a period where I was like fuck the Beatles and then I went through a period where I listened to everything they did. Right around the time rock band or uh is it a rock band that did that or is it guitar hero that did the Beatles? Rock band. Uh, rock band. That that's well, that's I mean, right I around was, the time I was listening to them before that. Rock band. Did. Right, but that that's right around the time that we started to learn literally everything yeah. because we just we bought all their songs yeah. together and we played it. Yeah. Rock band did yeah. a Beatles and a uh, a Green Day. ACDC yeah, because yeah. you can they you can go ACDC, on rock band yeah. to this day. They did Metallica and, and an Aerosmith, list. right? Or is Aerosmith guitar hero? Aerosmith was Aerosmith. guitar hero. Oh, it was okay. It was uh, I know that each of these bands have a game. Um, yeah, it didn't do very well because most people are like Aerosmith's not that good. I like Aerosmith. Yeah. You, there's not right. enough songs for you to be like, oh yeah, I exactly. love this song. They've got like five. Yeah, like that not even worth, that's never worth a damn. They have like three, and then a that's remix like, of one that's like five. Yeah, that's like if remixes. they tried to do a Guns N' Roses game, it's just like it would end after like twenty minutes. Yeah, you it would run yeah. out, of things. and it would be awful. It would be so bad. They need to do. They need to do like a Rolling Stones game because you get a shit ton out of that. Well, I mean, they've taken the majority of the like Rolling Stones songs that are worth a damn to play in those games, and they've put and them they put in them various on, games. Like, already. Give me shelter. You've got it right there yeah. on the wall. Yeah, fun as shit to play on Rock Band, yeah. and it's on there. But like. It's hard to do a band-specific thing if they're not a jam band because those aren't fun songs to play on rock Fish band. rock band! Fish yeah. rock band. Which you is, know, I'm not going to lie to you. Which is why. I'm not going to lie to you. That'd be cool. I'd play that. And the keyboard peripheral. Oh, like, shit. Uh, jam, like being a jam band gets you on rock band. And a prime example of that is Weezer. Weezer doesn't even have a, a rock band game dedicated to them, but they've got more music on there than most of the bands. They're in about all of them, though, aren't yeah. they? Yeah. At least one And they've got songs. a lot available on the market that yep. you can get. Uh, yeah. A couple so, albums worth. Yeah. Um, so we'll move forward a little bit, but we'll come back to the games because that's a part of yeah. the song. Yeah. One of the songs, anyway. All right, so um, Rolling Stone ranked this number 430 of a possible 500 of all time. It's kind of high, but I think it's because it's newer. It's also well, very it's kind yeah. Of, it's kind no, of close no, to five hundred. You're I right. Think. I agree yeah. with you. We're on the same page with this. I think yeah. a lot of it also has to do with how experimental it is, yeah, for lack of a better term. Say. It's so fusioned it's that, very... like, how do we label it? Where do we put it? Things yeah. like that. I think that also adds to the beauty of the album. But for list and stuff, it's like uh, four hundred and thirty. Yeah, it's it's a yeah. very well, it's you... a very strange. They're a very strange band to try try and genreize. Because they don't fit into any specific genre. Like you, you can think of a band. We'll go back to Weezer. Weezer's like that's rock. Like there's no way you can classify them as anything but. But we like you listen to Vampire Weekend. It's like I don't know what to put them in. Because like their tune is so experimental and unique unto them that they can't really be put into a genre. Unique is an outstanding word to use to yeah. describe them. They are they are the single most unique band I think I've ever heard in my life. Yeah. And I could live for a hundred more years and never hear a band that comes along that sounds like them. Right. Never. And like another thing, I think that them as a band and a, a couple others that I can name off is the reason you have a genre called indie. Because like it doesn't really classify rock, pop, or anything along those lines, but it's a genre that, that had to be created to classify these bands that don't fit in those brackets. Not just right. indie. Indie's a good word. Uh, indie identifies mostly with independent, which they're on yeah. XL, which is still relatively independent. But their first album they're, was They was fit in exclusively, pretty much with, not exclusively, but predominantly with alternative also. Yeah. Because that that's the definition of alternative. Where the hell else are we going to put it? Yep. It, I can't play it on this station. I can't play it on this station. But I can play it on a variety station, I guess. Yeah. You know, that is like um, if you look at oh my bad, if you look at like now with this band, you can't really place it in the genre. Right. But if you look at 
back when, say, since we already did Black Sabbath or New York Dolls, mm-hmm. they didn't have a genre for themselves yet either. Right, it had to be created. It didn't come till later mm-hmm. when people started labeling those things yeah. in like well, subcategories. Yeah. So like, it's like we're. It could have been. It, it it could be high up there because it's such a concept album. But that's just because of when the list was created. If right. they if they if we made the five hundred list in. 1971, Black Sabbath could be one number 430 because of the same reason. Right. Well, yeah, I doubt they'd make it. They, yeah, they probably wouldn't have even been on there because they had such a niche following. Oh, well, that yeah, that and, and the the ideal the i ideologies ideology ideologies, ideology thank you of the time. You know, they didn't. That like was not a, death that right. was and not like acceptable. Take, yeah, the music. Satan shit right, and right. all that stuff. They weren't. I into mean, that, well, like, it's it's funny to look at the way at the, the types of music that have become acceptable mm-hmm. over time because you can rewind all the way back to the 1950s when Elvis was getting big. They did yeah. not want that man performing because all he did was stu- stand up there, strum his guitar, playing the same three fucking chords, and because he shook his leg, that was in some way, shape, or form sexual and and deviant. So we can't have him performing for people. But now you can fast forward to now and look at what it's acceptable well, in music. And, and to Zach's point, um, Black Sabbath, the first album, was initially criticized. Yep. It was not accepted. Yeah. The same applies to the self-titled Vampire Weekend. Mm-hmm. When it first came out, Rolling Stone ripped it to pieces. What really? Was, uh, who was yeah. it they were accused of like ripping off? It was uh, Paul Simon, his yeah. album. They accused uh, it. Of well, well Paul Simon... Him. And then he oh, came yeah. out and defended right. them. Paul Simon's like, uh, you guys are dumb. Yeah. Because I like this album. Yeah. Yeah. It reminds me a lot of my own Graceland and how <laughs> and how yeah. how world music hit it was. Yeah. yeah. So he was yeah. like, you know, you guys are dumb for thinking this sounds like right. the album that well, I think it sounds like. <laughs> well, no offense to the Rolling Stone, but I want to offend them anyway. They suck and they have for a long time. Yeah. Which is why we do the show so right. we can you know criticize them. I didn't know that. Yeah. <laughs> they, I thought uh, we were just reviewing albums. Can't, Apparently, Wait, Kevin, I may have an agenda. Kevin, now, now, Kevin, who is the main host of Music by Number, has an agenda. Has against an agenda Rolling against Stone. Rolling Stone. <laughs> I don't have an agenda. Just kidding, Rolling Stone. I love you, and I will not cancel my subscription. <laughs> um, but yeah, Rolling Stone initially criticized it, but later on, um, on a not only on this list. But on the 100 Greatest Debut Albums list, which is a very good list, Rolling Stone, good on you for doing that one. It's beautiful. Um, this this album's ranked number 24 out of 100, which is a good spot for it. What's number one? Um, you know what? I don't remember. Um, if you want to look that up real fast, that, that'd be good information. 100 Greatest debuts. Uh, Debut Albums, yep. Um, I think... I don't remember. I'm not even going to guess. But uh, this is number 24 on that list. And it's funny to me, in an ironic kind of way, that they criticized, they tore the album apart, and then, boom, they give it, you know, top 10, uh, top 20, almost. So, Well, I mean, it's probably in response to criticism on them ex- for doing exa- it. That's exactly yeah. what it yeah. is, because they realize they're wrong when the yeah. public's like, guys... Why are you so harsh on on stuff? Like you're not always right. You know this is okay. We like it. It's got a spot for us. It's yeah. the it's the um, Zack Snyder effect where you know is it, people, is it Beastie Boys? Beastie Boys, cool. I, 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 I was gonna guess the Velvet Underground, but uh, this was a highly commercial success for the band, and I guess XL Studios also. 
Uh, it peaked at number 15 on UK charts and number 17 on our very own Billboard 200. That's doing work. Mm. For, for being relative nobodies to come 17, especially from an independent standpoint, mm. good on you. Because Rasam Batmanglij is the one who produced that entire album. Boy, is he a genius. I'm going to yeah. shake his hand one day. If I, I, if I could ever meet him, like he's, he definitely um, deserves it. Well, they did have a lot of publicity because of, of their lead singer, Ezra, right? Ezra, Ezra had a lot of credit to him, but that band, and that's why it worries me about them going forward in the future, like, they are nothing without Bob, without Rostam's ability to produce. Because, well, like, how many... he, he produced the first two albums by himself, and then Modern Vampires came out. He co-produced that with a friend of his, and I like every single one of those albums, but the first the, two he did the, are the The third ones. one is the weakest of yes, the Yes, exactly. Yeah, but, the so they've only the done three since 2008. Yes, yeah. it's been self-titled Contra and Modern Vampires. That's not a lot. Of, they don't have. They have been. Working they put very a gap. Much, they, they? They, yeah. all, they've always put a gap. Hey, listen, um, listen to what they're doing though. That takes a long time yeah. to get right and stuff. Well, I haven't heard the new one. You said it's called Modern Vampires. Modern Vampires yeah. came out in 2015. It, it's okay. Okay, it's all right. It's, it's good. Yeah, it's, it's, good. it's the weakest of the three. Okay. The, but the it's singles, good. the singles they released out for it were really good. Mm-hmm. Um, Dying Young and Step were the singles for that album. Fantastic songs. Okay. Um, speaking of singles, this album put four out. Yeah. Uh, it did, let's think here, uh, Mansard Roof. I see a Mansard Roof through the trees. I see a salty message written in the east. The ground beneath my feet, the hot garbage and concrete. Now the tops of buildings, I can see them A punk, Oxford comma, Cape Cod, Quasa Quasa. Kids don't stand a chance. All are great. Yeah. All are great. I remember a major- the only one I really don't uh, remember listening to a lot is the Kids Don't Stand a Chance.
That's one. That's probably that's, my favorite song on the album. Isn't that the send out track? That's yeah. the last one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's, that's that's really really good. That's one of my favorite songs um, on the album, if not my favorite on the album. My my two favorites on the album, and I've talked about this with you before. My number one favorite is M seventy nine. To be able to take Victorian England music, bring that into a modern scene, yeah. and actually make it good is incredibly impressive. And that has nothing to do with Ezra. Ezra didn't do that. It was all Rostam. Oh, wow. That was Rostam's production. And speaking of the production, uh, I'll get on the bandwagon with you. Why I like his production so much... It's so is innovative. It, it's innovative, but it's classic at the same time because he takes kind of a southern style approach to it where it's very drum and bass oriented Mm -hmm. he emphasizes that particularly over the string and the leads yep which i absolutely adore anybody that does that is going to win me over Brady spears if you hear me talking to you drum and bass i'm gonna love you um i gotta come back coming guys just listen that's right when you come back Brittany. drum and bass the uh, percussion, the, the the percussion is in the best part. Weekends it's is, the best part. Chris Thompson right. is the most talented individual in that band. That his his talent on a drum set is insane, second to none. He's pro- he I put him up next to anybody. I would like it's it is crazy to me that dude's ability to play an offbeat drum line, but keep it consistent. And what he's playing on are some of the most difficult percussion instruments to play on because he's not on a standardized set. No, he's not. He's on all sorts of percussion yep. instrumentation yep and he's playing them in patterns that are you know alien to my ear yeah you know they're, they're, they're awesome s- they're off he's got he's got spanish style rhythmic patterns african he's got african one. style rhythmic patterns he's I'd got say, i'd say you could toss jazz in there with how offbeat the stuff is he, dude is incredible yeah it's he's say, super well, good yeah, and the bassist ain't no slouch yeah, yeah. That's that's one of the best rhythm sections I've heard yeah, in Chris, a long time. Chris Bio is a very talented. That bassist. is that is a strong rhythm section. Well, when yeah. you, even when you when you listen to uh, a punk, that isn't that the one? that's like da 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 da. That song, it's incredibly like yeah, boom 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 boom. And all I can very hard hitting. But all I can picture is the video because I remember when the video mm-hmm. came out. And it was like the underwater theme and like all the fish are, are floating right. around them and shit.
But uh, everything on this album, and I think even even on the second album, it's all very drum centric. Like they they have a very uh, Caribbean type feel to them. That's that's a lot you can credit to Rostam because Rostam is a percussionist too. And so his production, when he's going through it, like that's what he wants to emphasize. And it's also because he's like, and it's it's a big part of their band, and they're heavily influenced by African style music. African style music doesn't have string instruments; all they have are percussion, right. and and then you have some wind instruments, but it's mainly percussion. And so, given that that's his main influence, yeah. it his music that he produces is always going to be percussion heavy, which is why with Vampire Weekend claiming they're getting back together to do another album and him not being a part of it, it's going to be interesting to see what that album is. Yeah, what's it going to sound like? It's going to be... There's no way it's not going to be different. On this first album, it's interesting, to your point, how drum-centric, I guess is the word we're going to run with, uh, rhythm-heavy is what I'm going to say. Because it's, it's the bass also. Um playing two different styles in and of themselves yep. and then you get that yeah, mixed yep. in and like who would have thought to play the two together yeah i'll, tell you, I'll tell you who would have thought the fucking beatles <laughs> <laughs> you're not wrong man they probably you're not wrong. they probably, they, they they probably, probably would and they like were that, like this <laughs> sounds terrible we're never doing this rubbish again <laughs> and and to that point like that's why i say m79 is my favorite song right. on that album that because one, that that song might be the single most innovative song on the album. That uh, that one is near and dear to my heart because of the backbeat that they play with, yeah. and I love a song with a backbeat to it. That that song is a strong yep. song. M seventy nine deserved to be a single. It deserved to get the success it got, and yep. it deserves all the attention. Yep, you know it's, it's great. It's so good. It, uh, it it may not be lyrically the best song on there, but no. musically, most most of their music yeah. isn't lyrically clever, right? Like Ezra Ezra's no no Elton John writer or anything like that. Well, or Grim Bernie Taupin, yeah, write, but, Bernie Taupin. We, we're with you though. We got you. But like, it's just, it's like with Weezer. None of anything that Weezer has ever written is anything like, oh my god, that's that's fucking mind blowingly uh, clever. If you want to destroy but, my sweater, <laughs> yes, pull the but, string and walk away. Yeah, <laughs> but. But what Rivers Cuomo writes for those songs fits, fits the song, perfectly right, yeah. to those songs. Yeah. And it's the same well, thing when people say I, somebody's like a bad drummer. It's like, if you're a drummer who can keep a beat, you're not a bad drummer. Like I think, Meg White. Meg White's not a bad drummer. She did her job. Yeah. I, I think, to Ezra's credit, they may not be the greatest lyrics ever written or the most clever. Well, they're not, you're not supposed to listen to the lyrics. You're supposed exactly. to listen to the sounds and the yeah. melody but and shit. You, the, he still does a great delivery and the writing of oh, it. his voice is... Yeah. Not, not just the singing, but the writing of it because it's relatable to experiences that he has had. Yeah. You can tell... That whole first album, he, like, for instance, Walcott.
Walcott is the name of the character in the movie that they pulled that the name right, right, from. Vampire Weekend, which and is he's the main character, which, Walcott, which is uh, a, a movie he made. Yeah, it's a short film right, yeah, he right. made ba- and, based and on the Lost Boys. I'm not really sure. I'll, I know what the premise of it is. Is he plays this main character named Walcott, which is a, is a track on Vampire Weekend. Mm-hmm. It's a really really good. And one. the movie the movie takes place in Cape Cod. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He so. has to. He basically plays this character named Walcott that has to make it to Cape Cod to inform the mayor that the vampires are coming. Right. So and, the name of the movie is Vampire Weekend. He has a weekend to get there. And Cape Cod is uh, uh, Cape Cod uh, Quasa Quasa. Right. Both so of those songs are you about get a that reoccurring movie. kind of theme yeah. to it. And Walcott, um, Walcott's another one of my favorite you, tracks. You on get there. campus. Yeah, campus. They really met cool. at a college. Yep. So you guys so. are making me pose this question. I saw. I'm sorry to interrupt, but what's up? So when they made the the music videos and shit for this band, hmm. were, were when the band is I don't in, think they have anything to do with the movie. They don't reprise the I characters. Know, I don't. I don't think. So. I don't think if so. The music, I know. If the I know, music and everything. I know. I know Rostam so. is the one that was behind filming the movie. Like that was his, he produced the movie, right? Um, and I'm sure he helped with the music videos and everything. But I don't. I don't think they I'm gonna be honest them. with well, you. I mean, why name the band after the movie and then have all the fucking Trey, songs? Have Trey, Google that real fast. Cape Cod, because uh, it seems if, like they're singing the, about the movie. If the they, video, oh, they are. They definitely are. If the oh, videos okay. are synonymous with, uh, the videos are, are synonymous with the film because they're obviously synonymous with the album, but yeah. the film. Uh, to, I'm gonna say no, but I've only ever seen the video to a punk. Did you say Ezra? Ezra's the one who starred in the movie. Ezra is the main character, Walcott. Yeah. See, that's that's why I'm like, he should. They, if they're making music videos, what the fuck aren't they tying this into? If the band's named after it, if the songs are maybe XL you know, was like, I don't want you to do that. Well, that's silly. They should have been like, change the name and fucking don't tell people about this movie. Then. Maybe Ezra wanted more <laughs> money for it or something, and XL's like, uh, no thanks, we'll produce our own. I'm not sure if Google's going to be able to give me an answer on that, but I can check no. YouTube and see if they tie into the movie at all. If Google doesn't give you an answer, I'm always right. I never even knew the Vampire Weekend was a movie. It's so, it's, it's not it's, it's not like a in theaters well, right, movie. They made right. it while they were in college, right? Yeah. But and I he mean, had to that's do what it I for mean, some though. class right. or something. Yeah, and it was uh, him and Rossum made it, and um, that's why the they're, they're, the two tracks on that album that tie into the movie are Cape Cod Quasa Quasa and Walcott. Right. Walcott talks about like the actual plot line of the movie. It's actually pretty good, and that's one of my favorite uh, songs on the album. Um. While he's doing that, I'll talk about A-Punk. Okay. A-Punk was the the lead single and the most successful single, and it's a song that I couldn't get away from when I was a senior in high school. Yeah. Um, it peaked at number 25 on the Billboard Modern Rock chart, number 55 on the UK singles chart, and it was featured in um, Will Ferrell, John C. Riley's Step Brothers, uh, a couple TV shows like The Inbetweeners, and Guitar Hero 5, Just Dance 2, and Lego Rock Band. It was all over the place. I could not get away from it. Yeah. Uh, which, there's nothing wrong with that. It's a great song, but um, it followed me. And well, I'm like, it, get away from me! It was very popular at the time. I don't care it, about it the played, red coats. It played they're coming. everywhere. Everybody had it on. Mm-hmm. Look outside, the red coats come yeah, say, yeah, oh. oh. I was like, I don't care about oh, the red coats, oh. man! And in the beginning, with, the, with everything, it was very noticeable. Mm-hmm. They had it on all the trailers. Yeah. Well, nothing sounded like it. It was a, you know, yeah. it was unique. It was. I liked it. I was like, man, this is refreshing. And then I, I just, I couldn't get away from it, man. It followed me around. Yeah. I'm not yeah. sure that they put any music videos out for either of those songs. Um, and then of course, you know, extra comma.
Was a uh, real popular. It peaked at 38 in the UK, and uh, I did think it did pretty well over here. But I don't have a solid statistic for it. I really like that song. Um, um, the, I I I remember reading about it, and not only Rolling Stone, but I think Blender too. I miss Blender. Um, yeah, they went the uh, they went down under. Yeah, and I don't mean Australia. I mean they went bankrupt. Um, but anyway. Uh, I remember reading the Rolling Stone article where they criticized it and ripped it apart, and then I remember reading the reprise where Paul Simon came out and was like, uh, I'm in favor of the album, and you guys are kind of dumb, and it reminds me a lot of my 1986 Graceland album with the world music and stuff, and not only am I really good, but so are they. Suck it. <laughs> um, it's, it's great. Um, we've talked a little bit about how cool production wise the album is but let's talk about why it's cool uh they recorded the album in a variety of different places uh they i know they did it in a couple of the band members apartments uh they recorded they set up the percussion stuff in a barn a barn who records in a barn them and it was (laughs) awesome and uh, Treefort Studios in Brooklyn. And combined, it just sounds amazing. Apparently, the barn helped to make the drums real echoey. I'm going to record in a barn tray. Can I, I just could, tell you that right now? I'm going to take my drum set. I'm going to go in a barn. I could see <laughs> somebody who wants to be... Oh, I, I, this is the Eastern Shore of Maryland. I'll find that's one. That's fair. It's really easy. <laughs> they wanted to be groundbreaking. They wanted to be like different, or they wanted to be like... a. Noticeable. So, like, yeah, we we recorded a barn. Yeah, yeah and yeah. a lot of the you stuff... heard about the Black Keys. They bought a they bought a tire factory. Recorded in the tire factory. Oh. Fuck them. We got a barn. A lo- <laughs> and, and we and they probably borrowed it. A lot of the stuff. <laughs> a lot of the stuff they had already done. Like some, most of it was already written for what they were going to do for the album. So when they got signed, they they had an idea of what they wanted, and they just worked all that time to achieve it. Now I've heard of people playing in showers, bathrooms, oh, yeah. churches. Yep gymnasiums the echo man yeah just to find that happy medium echo proper feedback kind of thing right a barn they they like i would have never i would have never thought of that they like the sound you imagine how hot that probably fucking does that make me boring i wonder uh i wonder what songs were recorded and i know it doesn't i I didn't think to go that far i'm not very smart i'm public school educated but you know the viewers, the listeners, if they want to go check that out, can check that out. Guys, but like anybody, anybody who's actually listening to this and like really hardcore into this into the show, <laughs> I want you to listen to Vampire Weekend very closely and wait for the echo. And when you hear the echo, write it. Down. Listen to Revolution Nine backwards to, and want, see what you think. I want you to. I want you. Is it ASMR video now? I want you to write down 
the, the, the timestamp on the song. He said video. There's no video. Or the video. Song or video. Whatever. But there's no video. Listen to Revolution 9 backwards. And then I want you to listen to Revolution 9 backwards. Oh, Paul is dead. Miss him. Miss him. And then I want you to think. Canberry sauce. I want you to, I want you to Google vampires. And then, <laughs> and then go down. This a, is getting weird, guys. You guys, down, are, you guys are being weird. Go down, okay. a, go down a dark spiral and just forget about the band completely. And then be like, why do, why do people drink blood? What the you're fuck gonna is going end on up, here? You're going to end up. Zach, hey. these, these listeners are going to end up dead in a water tower. We're not going to figure out why. You're just going to sit in an elevator, push buttons for a while. And we're going to be like, what's going on in this video? By the end, hey, by the end of the night, they'll know a lot more about a fictional creature that doesn't even matter. But hey, it's useful. It's useful. Damn it, Bram Stoker. Or or a Spider-Man character. Or a Spider-Man character. Or they can read a story that I saw on um, on Facebook when I was like sifting through it one day, and it popped up, and it was like the earliest recorded and like or historical recording of a vampire. And I do not believe that vampires exist now then or ever but that story will make you think holy shit they might have because there was this guy and this was uh this was back in i think it was czechoslovakia or it would have been czechoslovakia back then at least um and this is probably i think it was like the 13 or 1400s and this guy got buried he he had passed away earlier the way they buried him well Throughout the the week after he died, at night apparently he would come walking through the town, walk like up to houses and knock on the doors. And if they opened the door, he would kill them. And then like in the morning, people would find the bodies but have no idea what happened. Um, and then he would also visit his widow and sexually assault her. This was all recorded in like the town's uh, like ledger or whatever. And uh, eventually they figured out that it was him, tracked him back to his grave, and the grave was, like, disturbed. Like, it had been uh, like clawed out of. Yeah, yeah. And so they, they tried to uh, drive a stake through his heart, because that was, like, the, the old folktale how you end a vampire. And they went to drive it through his chest, and it hit his chest like a piece of metal, and it would not go in. So it got to the point where they, um, I forget exactly what they had to do. They hit a rib. But it was like along the lines of they took like a saw, like the, the like a bandsaw that you would use to like cut through was a tree together. Was he speaking at all? No. Nah. Uh, motherfucker not... had a stroke and he's wandering around like a fucking asshole. <laughs> not that I know of. <laughs> You'd have to look <laughs> up this, the, the story. He, he recognizes like a... his wife. After knocking on like hundreds of doors, he recognizes his wife. He's like, <laughs> and she's like, what the fuck? And he, they tried to drive a stake through his heart and missed and hit a rib. They uh, they eventually got to the, like, the point where they couldn't figure out how to kill him, so they take a bandsaw, and they saw through his head to take it off. Oh my God. And then like the the other folktale was in order to keep a vampire from coming back, even if you decapitate it, is you have to bury it with the head between the legs and then rebury it. And so they did that, and then he never came back. And granted, like, I mean, this was... Oh, shit, they cut a stroke victim's head off. <laughs> was, <laughs> like, what the fuck? This was 600 years ago. Like, there, there's a lot of stuff that could have changed between then and now. And, like, a lot of stuff that could have been misinterpreted because it was in Czech. So, I mean, getting all the way into English, it could have been mistranslated. But, like, it's still an interesting story, and it's really fucked up. I feel like the, whole, the whole time, back. that dude just, like... The fuck do you guys bury me for? No, I'm fucking my wife. It's like and uh, he's like and he's knocking on each door. The person like, what do you mean I'm fucking dead? I'm alive. And they're like, oh my god, it's a vampire. He's like, the fuck are you talking like, about during, vampires for? It's like during the Black Plague, they used to bury people, and when they buried them, they would bury them with a string in their hand yeah. attached to a bell, so yep. that if they had been misburied, they could ring the bell. Yep. 
That's insane, dude. But that was a huge fear because it happened. It happened because a lot. Doctors didn't know how the fuck to tell. They're like, oh, they're like smacking you and shit, and they're like, oh, he's not responsive. He must be dead. Throw him in the fucking hole. Hey, he's dead. The heart says it's not beating no more. You know what the scary part is? How many fucking? How did they figure it <laughs> <Hey>. out? <clears throat> how did they find? How did they figure out that they were burying people alive? I guess eventually somebody clawed out. Like I think that had to have happened. When I was a young Maybe man. Maybe that's where zombies originated Those from. are the fucking stories we're missing. We need to right? hear the fucking survival stories <laughs> yeah. of people from back then <laughs> clawing the fuck out of their graves like they fucking buried me in the fucking ground because they thought I was dead from the plague. Paul? And I just had Paul, fucking... you, I thought you were dead this whole time. All I fucking had was diarrhea and a fucking cough from the fucking pollen. I was just fucking sleeping. Did you die? Yeah. The, what about the car crash? I drank too much grog and they fucking put me in a hole. I don't know. I was just Paul, fucking I miss sleeping. You. Paul is miss dead. Him, miss, him, miss him, miss him, miss him. When I was a young man, I thought that vampires was a disease. Vampirism, yeah. Right. Well, um, thanks a lot, Spider-Man. <laughs> uh, Morbius the Living Vampire was an experiment gone wrong by his own recognizance. But, uh, so I thought that that's, that's, that's how vampires were created. <laughs> like, I didn't know. Uh, shut up, Zag! Don't look at me like that. You're the one that made the Morbius reference and brought it up. There's a, there's a lot of different uh, like origin stories and different cultures for how vampires came to be. Some of the stupidest vampires I've ever read about are the ones in Japanese culture, or no Chinese culture. They're like called like uh, Jiazings or something like that. Um, Jiazing. <laughs> the vampires in Chinese culture, um, because they're they're dead and come back to life, rigor mortis has set in by the time that they come back to life. So they can't physically bend their legs and walk. Oh, nice. So they have to hop. Yeah. And as they hop... Well, I would if, kick the fuck out of a Chinese vampire. One, one of, like, one of their, um... What a, what a I would not be just, afraid just of that Just kick the shit out of be them. Be like a fucking pogo stick. <laughs> this is Sparta! Be like one a of, fucking uh, pogo stick trying to bite you. Yeah. <laughs> one of their, like, um quirks i guess for them being a supernatural creature is if they were to come across a grain of uh, like a sack of rice and it had been split open they would have to stop bend down and count every single individual grain of rice in the sack before they could move on oh that would be easy to f- as fuck to get away exactly like it's like all oh, the vampires How are invading scary? just just a couple take the, million just rice take, grains just take the sacks of rice and take them outside yeah. and cut them open they'll never get in yeah, it's not like they have a shortage of rice that's all they fucking yeah, got for, around there exactly the fu- that's why they're all skinny as uh, shit look uh. the fucking vampires are coming quick run to the pantry and grab a fucking handful of rice and toss it oh we got we just bought ourselves like an hour cause like it's gonna take up like five minutes to bend down so they got rigor mortis yeah can't move. My favorite vampires happen on the weekend. That's bring true. All, we, we, we bring it all back around. We do need to go back to the actual album. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so we're <laughs> to that point in the show where we talk about the album a little bit and what we liked about it, what we didn't like about it. Liked, liked about it. Shut up. Words are hard. Oh, yeah. um, so Trey, you're the you're the guest tonight. Why don't you start us off with this? What is, what is your favorite song on the album and why? M seventy nine. We like we've already talked about right, this. but why? Um, other other than the fact that you like the the Victorian, the, right? Yeah. yeah. Uh, other than that, it's just I I can appreciate anybody taking something that nobody's done before, and I can honestly say, to my knowledge of music, nobody had ever taken Victorian harpsichordic music and brought it into a modern day song. And I've never heard any band do something like that before. And that right there, that innovative, that intuitiveness to do something like that is just 
insane to me. I, I hear what you're saying. I don't want to poo poo on the point. I, I, but I I've like heard I've been, heard it yeah. been done a couple times, but I've never heard it done like that with the drums doing one style. The bass doing another yeah. that don't sync up it's very. It's the fusion of Right. Of I've never heard things. it fused like that. Right. So to your point, yeah. it's very unique. Yeah. Um, I know I've heard Billy Joel do it at least once. The Beatles have done it, but not like that. Yeah. I think never. the Stones might have even done it. Too. Yeah. I know that harpsichord has made its way into rock, but I've never heard it done like they did it. Or if not the harpsichord, that like, weird twangy the crazy, sound. That, the crazy that thing with it. Uh, about M79 is like the tune that they use, the, the harpsichord tune, and it sounds like the, what you would hear in a Victorian ballroom. Yeah. Like, I right. love that and, aspect. And I've it. never heard it done where that's the lead instrument. Yeah, that is, like, the, that is the main a, part of I, that song. I've heard it done as an accent piece yeah. and maybe even play a lead piece but never be the entire lead the whole time, yep. which is what they did. That's real unique. Mm-hmm. And that's a good reason to have that as your favorite one. Yeah, That's pretty cool. And, yeah, I, I've i heard – see, like I said, I heard of that one. I think that's the first one I heard of before I started listening to them. But I like the ones that ended up being common, which is like A-Punk and, mm-hmm. and all those. But I think that's more because – Maybe they were played. They were overplayed. You heard them a lot more. And it's just like with any band. Yeah, it's like you like. Oh, I love this song, and you listen to it about ten hundred. Like, oh, I'm tired of this song. Yeah, you you hear it so much, and like, oh man, that's catchy. I like that's why that. you can't listen to ninety three five around here, dude. Ninety three five will hear like a new rock song come out and just play that and just that. Yeah, like and like ninety three five is just a bad station all around. They they haven't had a good DJ for a decade, but. Like you should know, like it's common knowledge if you're DJing and music for a, a radio station. Do not play the same song. They always do that. two times within twenty minutes. They always to, do to their to their defense. A lot of times nowadays, you, you don't get a choice in the matter. Like no, you you, you, you got to do what what the the station sponsors tell you to do. Right. Yeah. 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 Well, that's why you get even on the classic rock stations, they play the same shit over and over. Boston's yep. more than a feeling we, yeah, every three seconds. About that yeah. Before, yeah. Uh-huh. I kid you not, dude. I remember <laughs> I, we were. I was at work and uh, at at work uh, in the bar. They play music unlike what we play in the uh, dining room. Thank Christ. Um, and whatever station they've been playing for the past couple of weeks, and me and Kevin want to walk out and just rip the damn speakers out of the walls. It's, um, it's some top 40 yeah. garbage. And like occasionally, an Ed Sheeran song will come on. I can get behind Ed Sheeran. I like Ed Sheeran. Dude has got incredible talent. And so Shape of You will come on. Shape of You is a very, very popular song. It's the lead single for the album. That'll come on. And I shit you not, I was working one day. I heard that song played three times within uh, half an hour. Oh, no. Three times in half an hour. And that's... That's on like serious. Well, that could also be somebody going, "Oh my god, uh, I love that song. Oh, let me play it again." Well, uh, if you love the song, fucking buy it la- or get Spotify. Labels. No, la- I'm at work. I'm working. Labels make. I want to hear it three more times. Nobody's gonna complain. They love the song. Labels ugh. make contracts and stuff with these music distributors and whatnot. So that's part of it. But a lot of it is also demand and you know things like that. But there's no way one of us could manipulate the serious station. It's just it's gonna play what's gonna play. Yeah. Now let me uh, hook my phone up to it. What is it, Bluetooth? Is it an auxiliary it's, cable? It's not. It's neither. Come on. Where is it? In the kitchen? It's I could do no, it. It's let in me the do bar. It. We just said that. Is it in the office? <laughs> do, you, do you control it from Do you control it from a computer? I'm just fucking with you. I don't you know, know who why. you You know who you sound like right now? Michael well, Jackson. No. <laughs> do, do you remember? Kind of. Shut up. Do you know who? Do you remember uh, that dude we used to make fun of? Uh, Freddy. Fred. Uh, YouTube guy. 
Oh, Fred? Yeah. No. That's who oh you sounded like. Oh, my God, dude. I that's, forgot that's, about that. That's no. who you he sounded like right hey, there. Hey, Fred. That's what, that's that's what you just did. No, I didn't. I did a very quiet, like, you I, remember? I completely forgot about him. We made fun. Does we he made, still do stuff? I have no idea. We used he to have he this, made, like, four movies. For, for those yeah. listeners who don't have no idea what yeah. we're talking about. They got, like, published on, like, Nickelodeon or something like that. I think they played him on Nickelodeon. I think he had one that was actually, like, you know, limited release. He was also, <laughs> he also like guest starred in like an iCarly episode or something. Oh, for, yeah. For those listeners who have <laughs> no idea what we're talking about, there's this idiot I'm who used to be on YouTube. And I, I go he was back, awful. I go back and try, well, let me say it like this. I watch Nickelodeon now and the weird shit they put on there. It's so bad. Like the weird kid sitcom things they do. Yeah, it's so bad. And then I think about like watching all that and the other thing. And like, it was mostly cartoons. Like, dude, I miss when Nickelodeon was fucking Drake and Josh. Drake and Josh was legit. See, it wasn't like that for me till late. Drake and Josh was so great. It was mostly all cartoons for me. One, one of my favorite parts of Drake and Josh that I will never forget is uh, there. it's just a very minute part of the episode. This guy comes up to the door to drop off a package. He's like a UPS guy or some shit. And uh, Josh walks up to the door, opens it, takes it back, and signs for it. He's like, have a nice day. And the dude goes, don't tell me what to do. That is one of my favorite things ever, and it is like a five-second bit of an episode. It just got, don't tell me what to do, and leaves. And, like, Josh stands there for a second, he's like, okay, and just shuts the door and walks away. And then he opened so his good. package, and it was a vinyl of, of Vampire Weekend. Yeah. <laughs> Wouldn't that be great? That'd be uh, fucking time-traveling. Kevin's like, we need to talk about this fucking album. That'd be time-traveling. I'm, I'm the, holding this fucking paper in my hand, reading it. The, <laughs> the, the coolest thing to me about this band is like the roots of the band they meet at college columbia university mm-hmm. so they're super smart already yeah, yeah. and then columbia. they they had a rap collaboration La Omran. yeah well he said and did not know that either. they yep. that was their they, first they, thing they bonded over like punk rock and african musica yep and then they team up with the Dirty Projectors or yep. some weird band. I don't that know. That was heard of. um. Uh, oh, they guessed it on it. Who who's the lead guy in that band? I don't. I don't know about them. I don't know about birth no babies. Anyway, so uh, the Dirty Projectors, and then they uh, they do some experimentation, and uh, you get the Vampire Weekend. You know, which was you know uh, pretty good short student film, mm. and sure. they turned it into uh, a little happy feeling. Musical concept album. Lord. And then uh, I'm looking at their Wikipedia page and like you know how Wikipedia will have like current members and past members. Uh-huh. Current members, one guy. One guy. Past members, about thirty. Are you serious? Yes. For vampire. Whoa, 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 no, 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 no. For the dirty projector. Uh, for the dirty yeah. projector. Oh, oh, okay. I would be like, wow, man. So no wonder it's <laughs> taking so long. Yeah, geez. No wonder they got like three years in between albums. They can't <laughs> keep any members. <laughs> Yeah, uh, Ezra Ezra Koenig and Rasam Batmanglij were both uh, like invited to play with them because uh, they were actually friends with the guy who runs it, uh, David Longstreet. But uh, yeah, they their first thing they ever did as a group of musicians was uh, La Om Run. I don't believe I've ever heard anything by them, but uh, it was some kind of like experimental rap group. It was weird. But given the the speed at which Ezra can sing, and a prime example of that is if you listen to Modern Vampires, there's a song on there called Ah um, oh, shit, what's it called? Yeah, I'll look it up. But it's uh, it's I one don't of the last, I've heard that one. It's one of the last couple songs on there that is insanely fast. 
like Speedy Gonzalez fast or like no faster Twista fast or like Tech speed, Nine fast speed fast. If I can get the actual album to like pull speed up. speed, like if you slow the bus down, you'll die faster. Yep. Cool. Hold on. <clears throat> I don't have much signal. My phone's being stupid. Come on. There we go. Um, worship you. Worship oh, you yeah, yeah, yeah. is insanely fast for a song that is not a rap song. And uh, once, once we're done recording, I'll play it for you because I don't want you to have any issues with that. But um, it, like, it's it's insane how quickly he can sing. And it's not rapping. It is singing. Right. And that, that's that's another thing I really like about Ed Sheeran is Ed Sheeran's abiz- ability to rhythmically sing. And he's very good at it. But well, Ed Sheeran sounds a lot more like rap when he's doing it than Ezra does. That's like a, he did a cover of Thrift Store or Thrift Shop. Thrift Shop. Macklemore song? Macklemore. He did a cover of that with uh, uh, British uh, British guy. Shot I got down. Good Lord. Real British. What the fuck is that guy's name? There's a lot of British people. Oh, damn Is that it. the same dude that does Chacaroon? No. Chacaroon. 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 No, it's like a oh man. What kind of music does he normally do? Uh, like um, he plays guitar. I want to. It was just him and Ed and Ed Sheeran. So I want to say he's like a he's like an Ed Sheeran type. But he's the band has got a. It's, it's the band is named one thing, and and then the, he's actually in the band. Fuck. Let the me only just, people that I can think of right now, and I know Joy I highly doubt it, shit? either one of them is Damian Rice, which is Ed Sheeran's idol, and uh, for some reason, all I can think of is Tom Jones. I know it ain't either one of them. No. Uh, so, uh, is it... Um, I had it for a second. Hold on. Like Joy something or another? The band... It's it's like... Oh, fuck. I, it, Joy, not Joy Division. I don't think it's no. I can't. No, be. it's not. Definitely not Joy Division. Oh man, I've never even heard Ed Sheeran do a cover of that song, dude. It's really fucking good. Let me look at me everything that man does is good. Just for clarification, what song is this? Ed Sheeran's cover of Thrift Shop. Shop with some other guy. I'm the only person here that doesn't have a computer. Okay, so Ed Sheeran does Thrift Shop with Passenger. Uh, Passenger. Oh, that dude with yeah. the whiny voice. Yeah, that dude. Yeah, and you let yeah. go. Exactly. Yes. Yeah. yeah, that's a really good song. I it like is a good song. song. No, no diggity, no diggity. versus yeah. thrift shop. Yeah, no diggity. You gotta back it up. Back it that up. That fucking and they did it live. Shorty get down, good lord. Baby caught him open all over town. Strictly bitch, she don't play around. Cover much crown, cocaine by the pound. Getting paid is a forte Each and every day Drew play away I can't get her out of my mind Say what? I think about the girl all the time Wow, wow East side to the west side Pushing fat rides Ain't no surprise She got tricks in the stash Stacking up the cash Quick when it comes to the cash By no means average It's all when she's got to have it Baby, you're a perfect 10. I wanna get in. Let me go in so I can win. I like the way you're working. No diggity. I got to bag it, bag it up now. I like the way you're working. No diggity. I'm about to bag it up. I like the way you're working. 
No diggity, I got to buy it, buy it up now, like the way you're working. No diggity, I got to buy it up. She's got class and style, and balanced by the pound. Surely never act wild, very low key on the profile. Catching feelings is a no. Let me tell you how it goes. Curves the word, spins the verb. Loving it, curves so freak what you heard. Rolling with the fatness, you never quite know what the half is. You got to pay to play, just for shorty bang bang to look your way. I like the way you work it, top notch, jump tight every day. You're blowing my mind, baby, in time. Maybe I can get you in my ride. I like the way you're working. No diggity. No diggity. Fuck it, we'll do it live. It was that shit was good, dude. <laughs> that shit was good. Everything Ed Sheeran does is good, and people in the world need to understand. If they don't, because considering he's been number one, I I don't know if he still is, but he was number one for like a month straight in the world. In well, the world, you can't. I I like I like when people are number one that when you like their music, but. You can't judge it by that no more because true. Fucking Justin Bieber's been number one. Fucking Ariana Grande's been number one. Dude, did you hear about what happened? I did. That's why I mentioned it. Fucking <laughs> hell, man! But I mean, like, you know what I'm saying? There, like, Justin Bieber's been number one. Yeah. Well, you got one thing. I you got to give Justin to his credit is he is definitely one of those artists that has evolved as he's gotten older, and not a lot of artists manage to do that. I, I mean, uh. He's gone from being... He, he went from the point of I, having a song that said Baby more times in it than it has any right to ever be said in a song yeah. to making songs that I can actually sit there and listen to and be like, it's not that bad. Yeah, but he's, he's not making that shit, though. Isn't other people yeah. writing that motherfucker and then it's like, here, sing this for us, please? I know he writes But isn't that what stuff. everybody else does anyway? And isn't that what the uh, monkeys made a career out of? No, the monkeys got pissed off about doing that and did it on their own. That's what the yeah, majority, the majority no, of pop artists do. It's poop. Everything the ma- they did was poop. The majority, the majority of pop uh, artists don't write their music. I like the just monkeys. like the majority of rap artists don't write their music. For the record, I don't care about the monkeys, man. Uh, they, they were okay for what they were. But I like, know, I'm just hating I, on Justin. Bieber. I like, I'm hating on Fabian. I like the cold monkeys. I oh, wait, no, the Arctic monkeys. Yeah, the Arctic monkeys are nice. I like the Arctic monkeys. They're the frozen okay. monkeys. They're the tundra right. monkeys. We'll be doing one of their albums here shortly, but not not this season, but so, shortly. Okay. It's an um, album that I don't know anything about because I've never listened to it. No diggity, I got a bad. Mainly because their two their two best albums are um, "Favorite Worst Nightmare" and "AM." Those are two best albums, and that is not the one we will be doing. Which no, nope, unfortunately, it's not. their debut album. It is. Is their debut album self titled? No, no. It's got a very long and strenuous name. I don't know what it's called. Hold on, I will Google it because I Google everything. Automatopia. Arctic. It's called. It's called Arctic Monkeys, monkeys. Onomatopoeia. Okay, so like somebody has to name that an album now. Arctic Monkeys, A Cold Onomatopoeia. <laughs> That's what. <laughs> Onomatopoeia. How do you smell that? Alex Turner, what is your first album called? If you're listening, call in. What people say I am, that's what I'm not. If that's I ever their first album, didn't I just say that? If I ever people met Alex Turner, I, I would be one of the happiest people on the planet. That dude is one of my musical idols. I am excited for next week because we get to do one of my musical favorites next week. David Bowie? Correct. <laughs> David Bowie? I will not be here for that one. What is that? What is what? What album is it? Mm. I'm glad you asked. We are doing 
the legendary Rise and Fall of Ziggy Stardust and the Spiders from Mars. Is that the full t- name? Of- really? Yeah. I didn't know that. It's a rock opera. I just thought the album was called Ziggy Stardust. No. Ziggy. Rise and Fall of Ziggy Stardust and the Spiders from Mars. Damn, dude. People abbreviate the fuck out of that when they talk about that. Mm. Wouldn't you? I would call it Spiders. We're going all the way back to 1972 again. <laughs> I, would, I would just say, hey, have you heard Ziggy Stardust and the Spiders from Mars? We are bad we, at saying We have track. gone all over this timeline. We started out in the mid-70s. We went back earlier. Then we went forward again. Then we was we was we was there hanging was some out. Speculative shit too, right? <laughs> <laughs> I think at one point I was just like, "Yeah, they could fucking genre. They could subcategorize this shit in the future." <laughs> like we've gone all over the, the place. That now we're back in two thousand eight, which is way ahead of where we've been. Now we're going back to seventy two. Yeah. yeah, we're bad at staying on track. We talked. For like an hour and a half and maybe twenty minutes has actually been about the fucking that's, album. That's why that's I, what we do. That's yeah. why I edit. That's things. right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We try to structure the show the best we can, but it's better if we just fly. Yeah. I, I find points where I can cut things that sound like they're they're uh, lead in the conversations. <laughs> so I'll be like, at one point, like Kevin will be saying something about the album. And then, like you and me, will say something, but it it will work out that I can I can cut that into a completely other thing that lasts yeah. like twenty minutes. Yeah, where we're actually on topic. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> I, fu- I I fucks with some cutting. <laughs> that's why the that's why you got the uh, the people that do podcasts that don't have any structure to them, where it's just people talking. Like the people that have to edit those, which granted they don't. Like that's the best job in the world. Well, I guarantee even the people who say they don't do to an extent. Like for instance, like the a, a prime example of a, of a um, podcast without any subject matter is off topic by Rooster Teeth. Okay, they sit around, they drink beer or liquor or whatever they have around, and they just talk. Yep. They talk about what's happened during the week, about funny stuff that happened to them when they were a kid. Whatever, it doesn't matter. Just anything they can come up with that's funny. Yeah. Like there are no cuts in that at all. It's a video podcast yeah. and also an, an, an audio one. Um, but like you watch it and like there are no cuts. Yeah. It is just an hour and a half, two two and a half hours, and them just sitting there running their mouths and making you laugh your ass off. Yep. Like that is the kind of podcast that I could get behind. Just oh, sit yeah. there and just fucking bullshit the whole time. Same with Joe Rogan. Yes. Yeah. Joe Rogan like will try to have a subject matter and then stray way off topic and not even care. Yep. That's true. Yeah. He is, but he he's one of the biggest podcasts in the world. He's the best, well, he, I think. He was one of the first, though. Yeah. He's he been was around, around for a so minute. Or, yeah, dude. He's been around for a minute. Yep. But honestly, so is Rooster Teeth. Rooster Teeth started all the way back in, like, 05 as a drunk tank. I didn't way know Way yeah. back then. About t- probably 12 years ago. Holy fuck. Like, the, the drunk tank came out around the same time Red vs. Blue started when Rooster Teeth was created. Yeah, I remember that, yeah. And Drunk Tank came out either that same year or the year after. Okay. And the Drunk Tank was the the main people in the company. It was uh, Jeff, it was Matt, um, Bernie, um, Gus, and then once they hired Jack, which I think was the second year in to help out with Achievement Hunter, it was those five on there just drinking beers and talking. That was all it was. And now it's it would it evolved from the Drunk Tank into the Rooster Teeth podcast, and now it's just called the RT podcast. Right. And it's. The RT podcast under that brand has over 200 episodes. The Rooster Teeth podcast under that brand has over 200 episodes. And the Drunk Tank had almost 200. Yeah, so they got a... They've been yeah. around for a long time. Yep, and they garnered that They garnered that following, dude. They well, got, their, their main following 
like the reason people got into that podcast was because of Red versus Blue. They're like, oh my god, these guys are so funny. I wonder right. if they do something else. And so they go on the website. And it's like, oh, they do a podcast. Let me listen to this. This is funny as shit. Let me listen to the next episode and keep going and going and going. And now they're to the point where their podcasts get published and their podcasts are published live to the people who watch them. Yeah, like they like they'll be sitting in a room and live broadcasting yep. the podcast, and then it gets published the week after. To the rest of the people who watch their content, yeah, as a as a as a recording, and that's why they don't edit anything. I think it's that's because how it's, it's I, sent out live. I think that's how Joe Rogan does it. I think he does it live now. Yeah, I know he does it. I know on, he. I know he has a video component to his stuff. Yeah, but they've changed it. They they've switched like like uh, hosting companies. Like they used to be. Uh, what the hell was that? Just not Justin TV. Well, maybe it was Justin TV. I'm not sure. I don't know that much about uh, Joe Rogan's podcast, like the technical side of it. I've, and I don't actually listen to it that much. My main, my favorite things of his to listen to are when he does political stuff, like when he brings political people on. Yeah. I like it when he gets all conspiracy oriented. Conspiracy? Yeah. He hasn't done, he when, didn't do that as much as he used to. Uh, there's an episode he did where he had this guy come on that's a huge conspiracy theorist. Um, <laughs> oh, what was You're his talking name? about uh, episode 911? Is it is it Alex Jones? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Alex Jones, Alex Jones Eddie, is legit. I love him so much. And Eddie Bravo. Yeah. And he's like, the world's being the the world's being uh, controlled by uh, psychic uh, pedophile vampires. And uh, I, I have it. the I have the proof for it. I lost it. Um, I lost. How many of, times did we watch that? Six, seven it times. Was insane. It I was lost insane. it. My favorite podcast is. Uh, it's a it's a political one, but it's not a journalistic political one. Like they don't publish it as for you to be informed. It's just it's a comedy. It's a political comedy podcast. Yeah, and it's under a guy named Stephen Crowder. Stephen Crowder's fucking hilarious. Um, he he's got a pretty decent following now because in the past year of like right winger type people coming over a lot of scrutiny over the damn past those right wingers over the past election and whatever. A lot of like the stuff going on at Berkeley and stuff like that, and he is a right wing person. Like that's the type of com- uh, politics he follows. That's what he's behind. That's what he supports. Uh, so that's what his comedy is based off of. Is like making fun of the, the you know the liberal snowflake stuff like that, and like his ability to come up with these retarded ass jokes that are funny as shit is so great. Yeah. And like he's also a very very outspoken adamant Christian, but not to the point where he's like a pompous ass about it. Like he'll curse and it like it doesn't face him at all. His producer's a gay guy. Like it's it's a really well-rounded funny show. And the thing about him is even though it is a uh political comedy podcast, everything he says that's political that's based off of something that happened during the week or a month ago or whatever, he sources it. Everything. He'll have 15 sources backing up what he says. And he was on uh Joe Rogan's podcast. Uh, not long before Alex Jones's episode, or not long after, I can't really remember, but he was on there, and they got in a gigantic argument about pot. I believe it. Oh, it was so funny. And the funny thing is, is like Joe's like, so Stephen, uh, what what is what is the subject you would say you probably care least about when it comes to like modern politics and stuff like that, and like policies being passed? And he was like, honestly, probably pot. I don't I don't really give a shit about that stuff. It, it doesn't really phase me, affect me, or matter to me that much. And Joe Rogan was basically like, let's talk about that for the next hour. Yeah. And would not let it go. And Steven's like sitting there the whole time. He's like, dude, can we just move on? Well, you also got to figure that that's the one thing that Joe Rogan talks about like, the most. Why are you, you, know? you going to ask a guy, what do you care least about? 
this. Well, I mean, and it's like, let me why, interrogate you about it. Why are you going to have Joe Rogan on your show unless you don't want him to Joe talk Joe Rogan about had that. him on his show. Oh, he did? Yes. Well, I can see Joe Rogan doing that too. And they got, they got a gigantic <laughs> argument, and then Steven Crowder puts a, uh, an episode out a week after that. Yeah. Joe Rogan Skypes into the thing to apologize for interrogating him so much. He was like, dude, I did not mean to come off that way. I'm sorry about how everything came across. Like, and he, uh, a lot of people thought after that podcast that him and Steven were like mad at each other. Like, they legitimately did not like each other. And he came over and was like, that is not the case. We love each other. We are really good friends out, outside of this podcast. It's just we, get, we got really heated about that. And it was, it was, they're both very entertaining people. And they're oh, yeah. both very big personality people. So it's inevitable that those types of people are going to clash with each other. Definitely. Yeah. But uh, Steven, Steven and Joe are both phenomenal podcast hosts. Very entertaining. Very well-rounded. Know plenty about the subject matter they discuss. Which is, you got to appreciate with a podcast host. Oh, hell yeah. You got to know what you're talking about, even if your guests don't. That's why the show's so bad, because I have no idea what I'm talking <laughs> about. Can't hear you right now. This eleven of too busy. You got it. I'll forgive. I'll forgive. All right. Well, we thank you for listening to Music by Number. Next week we will be doing Biggie Stardust and the Spiders from Mars, as we've abbreviated it as, by David Bowie. Are any of the Ziggy Stardust and the Spider from Mars songs on Guardians of the Galaxy? Yes, they are. Uh-huh. So next week we'll be doing the Guardians of the Galaxy. We can incorporate it. that on vinyl. We can incorporate it. The second one's good, too. Speaking of movies, we have another podcast called Movies by Numbers. You can find it on iTunes and SoundClouds and anywhere podcasts are available. We encourage you to go listen to that and also listen to Vampire Weekend. I'm Kevin. I'm Zach. And I'm Trey. And we are signing off.